Good morning. It's so good to see everyone. It's been several weeks, amen? So uh, everyone made it safely. Uh, we thank God for allowing us to be here today and to be able to corporately come together and give God all the glory and all the honor because he's worthy to be praised, amen? Amen. amen. So let's just go quickly, briefly before the Heavenly Father in prayer and see what the Lord has in store for us on this day. Eternal God of the Most High, I just thank you this morning for the opportunity that you've given me to bring forth your word, Father God. Is your word, Father God, is not mine. If it's a few words, if it's many words, it's according to your will. We ask that you search this congregation on this day, starting from where I'm standing to the back. Search our hearts, our minds. Father God, prepare our hearts to do accordingly to your will, Father. But we beseech you right now in the name of Jesus that you just may have our way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, um, as consumers, uh, and we have to be cautious with what they call bait and switch. It's, it's a fraud. You know, it's, it's fraud. and it, it, They draw you in, right? In the window, they put items and articles and, you know, and, and commercials on TV. And when you get there, Behold, what was supposed to be on sale no longer exists. Or the real trick is they put two of those items so that they said, we did have them, but we're all out. So you wind up leaving with something more expensive and something that you didn't need. But it's fraud. The business people, not all, obviously, uh, that are in this type of uh, bait and switch, they're only thinking of themselves. It's a selfish act. It's about what they can use from you. And, you know, I believe wholeheartedly in, in, in my heart, and I guess Jesus even warned us, that the devil was the creator of bait and fraud. Because his objective is to do exactly that, to lie to us, Shows a beautiful picture, and the, and the end result is what? Disaster. But Jesus clearly told us as believers that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, to lie, to destroy. That is his main objective. But the Bible clearly tells us the verse that um, I chose, the first verse in, for the program was, Buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and don't sell it. Buy wisdom and don't sell it. Buy instruction and don't sell it. Buy understanding, but don't sell it. There are examples in the Bible that some have sold that truth for lies because he is a great deceiver. We, we clearly see um, when Adam and Eve, you know, um, in Genesis 3.3, 3, um, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that is the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. See? Bait and switch. The devil comes and says... In Genesis 3, 4, and the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. 
Judas sold out. Matthew 26, 15. What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? The devil, the enemy, wants to lure us in with what actually seems fruitful in our eyes, but that's his objective. It's through our eyes that he draws us in. Well, if we go to um, Adam and Eve, we clearly see that even before they tasted the fruit, it looked fruitful. It looked delicious unto their eyes. That's bait and switch. Jesus taught the disciples how to throw bait, how to catch fish, but really it was a parable on how to catch people. Because there's a battle between evil and good. They, the enemy wants to bait us in. But more importantly, God wants to bring us in. Peter sold out. Peter, when, when Jesus was at the cross, we clearly see that uh, he was warming up in, in, in fire with, with others. And, and a young lady, according to the book of, of Mark, Mark 14, 68... Um, if I'm correct, where even a young lady said, wait, you look like them. You talk like them or like him. See, we are identified for who we are. Who we are is what we see on our outer appearance. Obviously, with police officers, if you see somebody with a badge, with a little hat, with a gun and, and, and a nightstick and, you know, and, and, and what I don't like, a little book where he writes his tickets. Those are markers. Those are identifiers. We're identified with Christ. So what the enemy tries to do is to lure us in by camouflaging the truth. Make it sound as if, but it really isn't. Are you following me this morning? Now, speaking of identifiers, we always want to give the, the enemy, the devil, the, the credit. My father used to say whenever we said the devil made me do it, he said, you're a liar because the devil is not getting credit for what you've done. What, I, what I'm trying to say is that sometimes there's things that we want that we Blame the enemy, but God has given us instruction, wisdom, right? And it's given us some rules and regulations for us to be able to contain ourselves, but we choose the wrong path. We see clearly the prodigal son, and, and, and to my amusement, it actually is where we get lost is with our identity. Sometimes what we want is what we don't need, so we bait and switch ourselves. The prodigal son obviously said in and, and told his son, it's a story that Jesus um, was, was telling the people around him um, because he wanted to prove a point. This young man decided that he wanted to leave home because the world seemed to be just a little bit more glorified than his living conditions. So he asked his father, he says, give me what pertains to me. Now I question myself, the father knowing right from wrong, why did he give him something that really wasn't best for him? A father knows best. Our heavenly father knows best. 
But sometimes we need to give our children or sometimes God, us as children, gives us what we want. But he knows that the end result is he's coming back home. She's coming back home. See, we serve an all-loving, all-merciful God that at the, he looks at the end result, not the beginning. He looks from the end to the beginning. I've been known to let my children fall and at a distance and as they were kids in the schoolyard, I let them fall. You say, why you didn't go run to their rescue? I said, no, because that would make them a better person. So what I would do is allow them to fall with the intention of seeing what, was, what would be the end result. What would be the character that would come out of them? Well, if you knew not to stand on those rocks, I'm sure the next time you won't do it again. So the father gave that which it wasn't due time. Because sometimes we get things when it's not due time. We know that the, the enemy wanted to switch and bait Jesus in, while he was being tempted in the mountaintop. He says, I'll give you all the riches. It wasn't time. See, the riches were coming to him already. But the enemy wanted to bait and switch, saying, listen, I'll give you all the riches now, and you won't have to go through those trials and tribulation. But Jesus, being Jesus, he said, do not tempt thy God. So we need to reflect at times. We need to go to the Lord, because sometimes some of the things we have, it's not timing, and sometimes... If we're bright enough or, we're, or if we're enlightened, we need to just give it up. Come to the conclusion you've made a mistake. I've made a mistake. That's where let go and let God takes place. Letting go is not necessarily easy. But in this case, this father knew that the end result would be at the end that he, this child would return home. So he gave him what really didn't pertain to him because it wasn't his timing. He left. He partied. He had a good old time. He had a couple of hookahs. Smoking, he, he had a couple, he went to a couple jam sessions and he was in clubs and he was just having a good old time. Oh, he was just having a good old time. But at the end of the day, when the music stops, when the money runs out, nobody's around you. My mother used to always tell me, you know what, son? You have friends as long as you have a dollar in your pocket. But the day you don't have a dollar in your pocket, where are your friends? I tell friends or even inmates that are friends today or inmates that I would preach to in prisons, I would say, you know what? I would ask them a question. Where are your friends? And most of them said they stayed at the door. Years passed, they haven't heard from them. They needed while incarcerated. No one would send them anything. But you know who would always be by their side? That mama and papa would always be by their side. Seeing men and, and women get on drugs, your friends disappear because you're no good to them. But who would be by your side? Mama and papa. Do you remember the O.J. Um, Simpson trials? Who was always by his side? His mama. So, in this case, he used up everything that he had. 
It got so bad that he found himself a little job. He found himself a little job. See, there was a famine. He found himself a job to see if he can sustain himself. But the problem was that he probably made some money, but there was nothing to buy. What good is it if you have all the riches but really can't do anything with it? There's prime examples on TV. I've seen a few um, 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 actors recently that committed suicide and they had all the money. You have to be in your right state of mind to use your God-given gifts in a way that it would glorify and honor God. If not, bait and switch is at the door. Bait and switch is at the door because the devil will use it to destroy you. First thing he does is lies to you. He'll put a bug in your ear and you start to believe it. He'll steal it and the end result is he'll, he'll take you out. But thank God for grace and mercy. He came to his senses when he looked around him and he decided that he wanted to eat what was in the pig pen. Everything that was probably um, rotted and things that were thrown out, things that were, were not good for human beings, at that present point, he wanted to eat it. That's what happens when the enemy drags us, drags us. And tries to drag us to the pit of hell that he drags us so much that everything around us starts to smell and, and start to, to stench. But we'll start to feel comfortable around it. We call it rock bottom. Sometimes we do need to hit rock bottom to realize that the place we ought to be is home. But it becomes a place of comfort. How many are following me this morning? He came to his senses. He said, in my father's house, I needed for nothing. In my father's house, there was all the food I wanted. Then he yearned to be in his father's house. We become those prodigal sons. I think back of those moments that I would be in the streets and my wife would call the police looking for me yearning to be home, but I had a level of comfort in the dirt and in the scum of the world, not realizing that there was a better place. There are some that are waiting for us that are in a level of comfort and no, no way out. Maybe they don't have a home to go to. Maybe they don't have a daddy. Maybe they didn't have it good. But we have a creator that's called our heavenly father that owns all that is under the sun and above the sun. And the universe is all his. We can introduce that daddy. Maybe some of us here don't have good experiences with our daddies and don't have those memories of, of daddy um, going up and down, you going up and down his leg and him rocking you and playing with you. Maybe you don't have that memory and maybe that is interfering with your relationship with the Heavenly Father, but our Heavenly Father knows what's best for us. 
Just yesterday, David and I started to speak in the office in the back of our relationship with our daddies. And I tell you, if I would allow the enemy to speak lies into my ear, I probably would not be standing here. For some of us knows what it is to be called. You're nothing and you will never be nothing and you will never add up to nothing. Well, that's the devil's lie. The psychiatrist, the therapist will tell you otherwise, but God tells you, you are somebody. Hallelujah. You are somebody. The enemy lies to us and tells us what we are, but God tells us who we are. Who we are is children of the most high. We are kings and princesses. Hallelujah. We're not borrowers. We are the ones that loan because we have royalty. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He went back home. And I would think to myself that and I have been that son in the spiritual realm, and I still come to the foot of the cross, and I lay down and ask for grace and mercy. And I say, thank you for being present. Thank you for the wisdom that you've given me. I don't want to sell it, but the enemy is like a roaring lion. I need you. I need you as the lion of Judah so that he may flee with his little hallelujah bark. He ran home, and instead of that son falling to the feet of the father, it reversed. The roles reversed. It was the father that already knew that he would come back home. That's why he was looking and seeing him at a distance, because he believed. My mother believed. In the scripture, Hannah believed. And some of us that are in this congregation listening to my voice, what you need to do is believe. Jesus should have been served. But he said, when the disciples asked him, who's greater amongst us? He said, no. Jesus is calling. Hallelujah. But he came running, and Jesus said, who's greater is the one that becomes lowest? Speaking about the father coming to the ground and serving his son, Jesus took a towel and put it up, up over his shoulder and came down to wash our feet. Us that were dirty, us that were in the pig pens, us that wanted and felt comfortable in that level of dirt and dust. He came down and cleaned us. He cleaned us because he loved us. He loves us. But the devil reminds us of where we've been. But we need to remind ourselves it's not where we've been, but where we are and where we're going. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. We honor you, Jesus. He cleans us because we can make a ruckus and a mess out of our lives of people, places, and things. But he allows U-turns. 
allows U-turns. Even David the king found himself in an identity crisis. Identity crisis of bait and switch because he was a king. But he said to himself in Psalms 43, 5, Why are thou cast down on my soul? And why are thou disguises within me? He had an identity crisis. He went down to the dumps. He committed sin and murder. But just like that daddy waiting on his son at a distance, he also waited on grace and mercy of the heavenly father because his next words actually was what he was going to wait on and it was on the Lord, the end result. The verse says, he continues to say after woe is me, he says, hope in God for I should yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Hallelujah. He's seen both sides of the fence. He's seen his shortcomings. He waited on mercy. He didn't wait on death because the end result was exactly that, grace and mercy. A friend of mine, and I'm about to close. A friend of mine last, last week sent me an email. He sent me an email, and <clears throat> he came across an identity crisis. This is what he wrote to me. which the email, the text was a pre-warning that he was going to call me. He says, great news. God is wonderful. Interview at home was a success today. And I'll, and I'll clarify it. It's just the way he wrote it. State investigator was blown away of all my letters, awards, and with all my mentoring work, but impressed with The Rock. The Rock is a, he works with kids, and that's what he named it, The Rock. With Rock to the Futures Organization. They commended me for a full board of pardons that will be set in Harrisburg in three months sometime in March. Words could not express my gratitude to you as my awesome brother, friend in my life, and my spiritual advisor. I'm very emotional right now. I thank you for believing in me. You rock. I said, yes, I do. Your victory is my victory, I told him. God continue to bless you. This young man, he's about my age, a little younger. He came in my office broken because he had an identity crisis. The devil pulled the bait and switch on him, which literally destroyed his life. He couldn't get a job, couldn't maintain a job because he was sentenced as a young man for a murder that he didn't commit. He was a young man, so he served maybe 15, 20 years. 
And every time he got a good job, they found out that the enemy gave him a title that was not even his. Bait and switch. Bait and switch can destroy us. He came into my office. He had, he came, he told me, Ben, I got this perfect job. I'm working with the school system. And he was doing great and doing wonderful, you know. And sometime after that, he came into my office broken. Remember, what I am is not who I am. He said, the job that I love most, I felt that I was called to this. I was just let go. He was in my office. He was at the edge of the ledge in the mountaintop. He was, like the song says, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. He was there. And I helped them write. I'm not the best writer. God doesn't use your inabilities. He doesn't look for your inabilities. All he wants is you. Not a very good writer at all. Ask some of the people that have to read after me when I write. But for a moment, we prayed and I started to write. And I wrote to that parole board. And in three months, his slate will be cleaned white as snow. He said, I'm writing to you in tears. And the reason he told me that is because when he called me, he couldn't contain himself. My wife heard it. He, every other word he tried to say, he was just boohooing all over the place. But that was tears of gratitude to the Heavenly Father. Sometimes he let us go a distance. But the end result is to bring worship because he desires to be worshipped in spirit and truth. But let me tell you something. At that time, I had an identity crisis. Because there comes moments, I don't know about you, but I'm good for this. Just like the psalmist, who am I? What am I here for? I've been told I add up to nothing. And the devil starts to whisper that in your ear. But the Redeemer comes along and shows you his fingerprints. Hallelujah. That yes, you're worthy. In a simple way, in a quiet way. Politicians would ask me, Who are you? Because when I walk in certain places, it's like E.F. Hudson. When everyone when he speaks, everyone listens. When I walk and I'm not bringing glory to myself, things happen. Not because of me, but who's walking before me. The great I am. And if you're here today struggling with identity issues, rebuke the enemy and all the powers of hell 
and know that you know that you know that greater is he that is with you than that one comes against you. Know it. Believe it. Act on it. Do it. Take the Nike's commercial. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it, church. But the enemy has struck in some of our lives with the bait and switch, and we start to believe the whispers of the enemy. The whispers of the enemy is like weights. You in the middle of an ocean and weights in your pockets and weights in your shoulders and all. You struggle and struggle and you find yourself pulling down and you struggle and you struggle and you find yourself pulling down. But Jesus said, come to me all that are tired and heavy laden and I will give unto you rest. For my yoke is light. (laughs) Give it up. You've fought this long enough. It's not what you have. For what gain if a man to have all the riches but loses his salvation? It's not what you have. As a matter of fact, there's a young man in the Bible. That said, a young man in the Bible that came to Jesus in the book of Mark, chapter 10. He came running because he came gloating. See, when we got something good to say, we run. We don't just walk. Hey, hey, master. All those things you talk about, I don't steal. I don't lie. Listen, I'm as holy as they come. I'm good. We good, right, Jesus? We, we cool? <laughs> My beautiful wife. Hey, baby. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. The enemy tries to lie, but I'm blessed. Amen. And that's a sidebar. Buy me lunch later. <laughs> and we ran. I do all this and I do this. He says, wait, 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 wait. You got it. You do got it together. He says, but all right, let's, let's prove this. Doesn't it say love your God above all things? That's what it starts off with, right? He says, okay, let's let's test you. He said, everything that you have, sell it. Sell it and give it to the poor. Ah, Oh, he couldn't handle that. Did he really love God? Or did he love the rules and the regulations? Sell it. But with a call, since you love me, and you want to do my will, take what you have, sell it, and give it to the poor. Read it when you get a chance. It clearly tells us that that man, young man, got up and left. What does that tell me? There was something still in between the relationship of God himself and him. It was a problem because if you're to love God, sometimes we have to give up what we are. You'll never give up who you are because God gave you that identity. I'll prove it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, 5.17 tells us that when we come to Christ, we become what? New what? Right? You're giving up a lot of things. 
If you stole, you steal no more. It's simple. Simple mathematics, nothing complex. You're a new person. And there was a burden in that man's life because he loved money over God. See, it's not wrong with having money. Trust me. I got 10 cents in my pocket. I love it. There's nothing wrong with it. I can do good with that. But when you don't do what God asks you to do with it is where it's the problem. It's about character. It's about he wants to bring in us the best in us. And whatever is a hindrance, he's telling you, sell it. That's probably the only time he tells you, sell it. The verse earlier told us what? Don't sell it. Buy the truth. Buy it. That's probably the only time he'll tell you to do something. If it's a, a problem with a character issue, get rid of it. I don't know why that came in my, service, in, in my sermon today, but God is good. Amen? Amen? How many can give God a clap offering this time? <laughs> Y'all can do better than that. Come on now. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. So sell it. See, some things are already bought and you can't repay for it. See, it came with a price. 1 Corinthians 6.20 tells us that it was a great price. The great price was the Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It's sold. You can't rebuy that. You can't emulate it. You can't overdo that cost or that price. That was a bait and switch, but for our benefit. John 3.16, so God loved the world that he gave, he sold. He gave, he sold, bait and switch. He sold his only begotten son so that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We came with a price. Don't sell that salvation. It costs too much. And yes, the enemy put a bait and switch on Jesus too. And I'm telling you, it sounded pretty good to him. You say, how is that possible? Yeah. Go back to his prayer. When he said, if only this cup can go over me. That was a bait and switch opportunity. But he came to the realization that he didn't come to do his will. But he came to do his daddy's will. And guess what? For that sacrifice, he ascended into heaven. The disciples seen him go up. He said, why worry the angels? The same way I went up, I'm coming down to get those that don't fall into that bait and switch trap. He said, I'm coming back for you. But you know where he went to sit? To the right hand of the Father. I want to be there one day too. Do you? Do you you want to see him for what he is? Face to face? That's amazing. I thought to myself, and I, I thought to myself this, this, this week. As a matter of fact, I prayed with somebody recently, and it came to me to pray. I said, I would like to see footprints in the snow with a little gap in the, in the snow, like uh, emulating 
Jesus walking on the snow with holes in those footprints. Wouldn't that be awesome? He can walk around my house anytime. Lord knows I need it. Amen. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. And as we have recently in in practice, after um, I close in prayer, I'm going to take, as a matter of fact, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask everyone to stand in the presence of God. Judges come in, they stand, right? You're you're a lawyer, you know about that, right? (laughs) The chief in my department walks in, I stand up, right? We, We do it, so why not for our Heavenly Father? And it allows us to reach a little bit closer to his mantle, amen? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go into prayer. I'm going to be quiet for a few minutes after I lead in prayer. And can we all join in in a corporate prayer? You know, um, choirs and orchestras, it's amazing. It really is. Imagine in our Heavenly Father's presence, if we come in corporately and give him praise and talk to him. You know, it's just something about doing it publicly. He got the disciples and asked them to come and follow me in public. He didn't have to do that. He could have winked his eyes and they would follow them. There's something about public. All right. Eternal God of the Most High.